0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Hello and
1: welcome to BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and joining me in the studio this week, a gardener with uh, lots of experience and, of course, a lecturer at Essex University College, Tom Cole.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
1: Coming up, myself and Tom will be answering your gardening questions on everything from orchids, hydrangeas and fruit trees. And here's are just a few things you could be doing in the garden over the next seven days. Tom, welcome to the programme and uh, of course at this part of the podcast
2: we look at some of those jobs that we could be doing around the garden. So come on, what's your first tip then Tom? Well I'm planting bulbs still, I've done all the daffodils, that was September, October, now it's November, it's cooler... This is a perfect time to plant out your tulips in little clusters or drifts within the border or in your pots or containers. And I know they say on the packet, you know, you plant it three times its uh, the height in, in terms of depth. I plant it a little bit deeper and I found now that actually that does improve flowering year on year. In fact, I always remember planting
1: a bed of them uh, years ago at nearly one foot deep yeah that's perfect and that way you can plant across the top of them with your annuals you just leave them there and they come up and you don't
2: end up with bringing half a bulb out of the no. ground no that's true so it does yeah. work really does that's, work that's very it's good it's a good
1: one now i'm going to go on about lawns because i've been cutting lawns this week and so many people you know you meet people and they say ah oh, well i've done my last cut nowadays there is no such thing as a last cut in this country because we have milder winters and you need to keep cutting. The most important thing is that you raise the cut so it's not taking out all the the bottom of the uh the growth of the grass because you'll damage the structure of the grass that and you'll get some dieback. But it's important to keep cutting. Okay. When you're a contractor and you have to cut lawns, you cut in the rain. But ideally, you don't cut in the rain. You wait till it's dry. You perhaps use a witch's broom and sweep the, any worm casts off so you don't smudge those and try and cut a little bit higher. But keep cutting that lawn. No, As long as there's no frost and it's not too wet, cut the lawn all the winter. Wouldn't you agree? Perfect.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Is it? Do so you, when, do you, when do you surface your mower? <laughs> When you can fit it in, Look you squeeze for a it in, period. don't you? Yes, you do today. Uh, well, I'm out there doing pr- roses. Oh, and yeah. I have actually done some climbing rose pruning at the moment, so it's a little bit early, but actually a lot of people are starting to do that. But one of the key things I do is on bush roses. So those are the roses flowering on new growth. Is to reduce them just in height by about half. Literally, go straight across the top of them. I don't even worry about cutting them to a bud. Because what I want to do is reduce the effect of wind on the plants. So you reduce wind rock. So you're not actually pruning them? No, because a lot of
1: people do prune in
2: November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and take a chance on the year, don't they? I find, well, at the college, at Bristol College, what we tend to find is if we do that too early, we do get new growth. Then that new growth subsequently gets frosted. So we do the routine, regular pruning in February, March but we do a little bit of reduction pruning now just to reduce that wind rock. So, in fact, you're working on a similar principle when we are talking about the lawns, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's a,
1: out of interest, when you talked about the climbers and things and, and tying in roses, what do you tie
2: in with? Do you use string or wire? String, always string. Because wire cuts into Wire the... cuts into it. There's some really good products out there at the moment where you've got some rubberized or plastic-type uh, ties where there's no wire inside. That's the key thing because that can fray and you still get... You can cut, still end uh, yeah. up garrotting uh, the stem. <laughs> so never, ever, ever, ever use wire. OK, there you are.
1: There's a tip. Yes, yeah, because there's that wire with the plastic around it, but it drops off, doesn't yes. it, fairly swiftly. Now, I'm going to stay on lawns because it's a great time, A, to edge your lawns. But if edges have been damaged, while we've still got some, I've just said, everything's growing so get some turf and cut out edges and re-turf edges any patches drop a bit of turf in and I tell you what I've been doing a bit of seeding and getting germination because it's been warm enough so I would just okay the books tell you it's too late to do your seeding but seed is so cheap so if you've got patches come on get out there Put a bit of seed on. You can buy patch packs, which are ideal. Some of them have got fertiliser and some of them have got a bit of koi in as well. And use those to patch in all those nasty bits of damage that you've perhaps um, well you perhaps um, barbecued in the summer and got too hot. You know, things like that. Damage to your lawn. Get it repaired now, before winter
2: comes. And I think it will pay dividends by the time you get to the spring yeah you can seed it anytime really can't you really as long as the ground's not yeah. hot sorry not ground they, it's not too hot, hot or too it's cold not, it's not too cold or frozen yeah uh well they're out there i'm afraid the What's winter that? moths are emerging are you sure they're going to be around so if those of you have fruit uh so your apples pears for example this is the time of the year to go out to your good garden center and buy some grease bands all they are is a sticky band that you place around about two or three foot up from the ground on the trunk of the tree, wrap it around. You you fix something. It's, it's self-adhesive. And basically, that stops the female moths from crawling up the trunk. And therefore, there's no sex, Ken. There's Terrible. No sex at all. Terrible. Terrible. No Terrible. eggs. Therefore, there's no <laughs> grub that you bite into and find you've got half it in your mouth. So it's, uh, grease bands need to be topped up, though, from time to time. And I tend to put them on all year anyway. Um, and then you've got your pheromone traps later on uh, in the growing season. So if you haven't got caught on one trap, you're going to get caught on another exactly. trap. But it's a non-chemical control. It's a cultural control. Oh, that's what
1: I like to hear. The more we can... And, in fact, there aren't any chemical controls that we can use on fruit
2: trees anyway. Not today. really, no. No, no. Um, very, very, very reduced now. It's all about cultural control. It's about hygiene, cleaning, pruning out, creating air, uh, but actually using sticky pads that uh, will will stop certain parts of a life cycle. Well, most of them. So you still yeah. get a few apples with holes in, yeah. but not as many. But not as, as, as you many used, as
1: before. There <laughs> <laughs> well, are there's a few tips from uh, Tom Cole and myself for this week. And don't forget, uh, you know, you can join us on the program every Saturday morning between eleven and twelve
0: the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11.
1: Coming up, we've got your calls on everything from orchids, hydrangeas and patio fruit trees. Vera is here. Hello, Vera, from Hutton. Hello, Ken. I've got a bit of problem
3: now. I've got lots of hardy fuchsias in the garden and they've been glorious but now the what are left on them before I cut them down or before they die down and clustered
1: together like little bunches. Right, Tom, my guest today. Come on, I'll get you on that one then, Tom. Is this... Is this, Ken, the fuchsia gallmite? It sounds like fuchsia gaulmite. I wondered <clears> that. You See, you've heard me talking about it, haven't you?
3: Yes.
1: Now, of course, fuchsia gallmite, the real advice is from the Royal Horticultural Society is dig out burn or destroy and get rid of jeff hodge suggests that you can try using bug clear ultra which is a systemic insecticide but obviously that's a waste of time at this time of the year his suggestion that's worth a try but not a guarantee because as i said the rhs advice is actually get rid of it is that you cut off all the damaged pieces and get rid of them and then in the spring late February early March you start actually spraying yes is that a good idea and then what what we want you to do is you come back to us and tell us whether it's successful and then we can tell other people across the county how about that yeah
3: they they do die right down to the wind so because they're hardy and then they come up again
1: So, cut those damaged pieces off now and give them away to the council. Let the council have them.
3: Okay, I will. Okay. Okay, thank
1: you. Smash it. and that is a real problem, isn't it? This fuchsia Mike
2: Well, it's not just around here. I was down in um, Devon a couple of weeks ago, and it's all it's everywhere. It, it is, isn't and it? And the recommend that one that that is a good recommendation. Actually, cut down, see what happens, and then sort of spray in the spring. I but, think that's a good idea. It, 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 I mean, it may it comes, not work. If it but comes back, get rid of it. Yeah. The the old the long term thing is to
1: incinerate, well, it, isn't it? Really. Isn't it? It's like all <clears throat> the things that we're having to put up with. I mean, the advice on chestnut trees is that you collect the chestnut leaves because they got the might inside them and you destroy them or you burn them. We can't keep up with everything, but we've got to try and help eliminate these new pests that are arriving. Absolutely. Let's now talk to Steve in Southend. How can we help you?
4: Um, I've got two problems. Money tree, well, not a problem, and potatoes inside, outside.
2: Let's do the inside then.
4: Right. (laughs) My sister is moving house on Wednesday. Now, over the last month I've been helping her sort out a garden, this, that and the other. And she had a money tree in her conservatory. She's had it 20 years, she's grown it from a little piece. And she didn't know whether she'd fit it in her flat. So I said, right, I'll take it home, look after it. Once you've moved, sort it out. If you've got space, you can have it back. Well, the first week, there was about 12 leaves fell off. And the second week, another 12. But this week, there's only been three. Now, is that because it's acclimatising to a
1: Change from a conservatory to a living room. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask because uh, you said there's only three, I so I smiled a little. I shouldn't smile when people have got well, problems. Three but was it the last three, or was it only three? Fell off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got
4: plenty
1: of leaves on it. That's good, good, good to hear. So, it's a acclimatisation. Yeah, it's I think, probably then. just
2: getting used to the environment you've moved right. it to. Lo- lots of house plants do that. If, you, if you've got things like weeping figs, all of a sudden, if, even if you just look at them in a funny way or you just move them, they yeah. suddenly drop their leaves. Right. um so I wouldn't be overly worried I suppose at that however the soil conditions it's growing it's you're not overly watering it that's the other, that's the question I was going to ask you are you how, how are you watering it She used to water it once a week fine so as long as you're keeping along those that sort of regime in fact actually with a money plant you can actually leave it a little bit longer than that if you want to right, okay. um but it, it's getting used to the temperature and the change in circumstances so I think what right. it's doing now is settling down.
4: Uh, Second thing, potatoes. Um, I'm at the right right old age of 66, and I'm following in my dear old dad's footsteps. He was a great vegetable gardener, and through the summer, I've been looking at my garden thinking, What can I do? Because I used to have a decking area down the bottom of my garden. I've ripped that all up, made some planters, and I thought, What can I do with the ground? So I've dug half of it up, made it into a vegetable patch, and the other half I've put pea shingle down for plants. I've planted Half a dozen potatoes about a month ago that were sprouting in my vegetable drawer, and they're about 18 inches high. Now, when can I lift them? If there's anything there?:
1: <laughs> They're not going to survive the winter, are they?
4: Right. They, might they well they might actually
2: They, they might. They might, su- they might if it was a but, mild winter I mean, they might survive the winter basi- basically potatoes you tend to treat them as a uh, tender plant really so it's a plant right. you're going to grow start it off earlier in the year and then you, you'll harvest those sometimes you know, between June and the end of, sort of September actually um, so now we're going into not quite the right time of the year and we had a frost as well so how do they fare with a frost on Monday or Tuesday this did week? did they get through that one?
4: Yeah, enormous. that be Yeah, because yeah,
2: it, it was different areas were affected. Yeah. So you might be okay, actually. Well, I mean, the key you could thing leave is leave it till the frost hits the leaf. <coughs> well, could you? You, you right. could do actually, because you're you're going to get some tubers forming. I mean, ideally, we don't know what type of potato you. Do you know what sort of potato you've got? You know, the, Albert d- Bartlett Reds. Oh right. Bartlett so reds. we're talking about a main crop. <laughs> yeah. So really, that you've got to get to a point. If you want those large potatoes, which I think it's going to be challenging for you, right. um, you actually allow the plant to produce all its top growth. Produces flowers and then yeah. die back, and all what? that energy goes back into the tubers and makes them much, much larger. What? I think what you'll find is, as Ken's saying, with a frost, is carry on growing them till they're blackened. Carry on until the, that top growth gets slightly black, and be a bit careful there because that can travel down and yeah. then get to a point where you've almost got something like a, I don't know, a golf ball or a ping pong type size. Uh, potato, and, and harvest them, enjoy them. They won't be as big as what you, you, you're expecting.
4: My dad used to have me out of bed at six in the morning on a Sunday and help him up the allotment. We, he used to produce all the veg for us all year, but I didn't take much notice of what he was saying, you know. Do you eat <laughs> garlic? All I remember is early, mids and late. That's,
1: That's it? it? Yeah. Do it next year. But do, you, <laughs> do Out next. of interest, do you eat garlic? Do you use garlic in cooking at home? No. Nah. Oh because I was
2: going to suggest it's a good time to plant garlic if you've started yeah, a yeah, new yeah. veg. Good time still to plant things like spring cabbage. It's right. good time to actually plant things like winter lettuce. Right. Uh, so you can do all of those. Yeah. You can buy those as young plants or you...
4: Right. Doing broad beans,
2: marrows, yeah. runner beans. Wait, be- broad beans, broad beans. You can do now. You can do. You can get, put them you can in. Aquadulte a lovely uh, autumn sowing uh, plant for broad bean, and you can also sow peas. In fact, first early can be sown now or in the spring. So come on, right. Steve. Get yeah, on and get out there. I've
4: got my L plate on.
2: <laughs> you have. You have. <laughs> Go for
4: it, Steve. <laughs> You'll probably be getting many more calls from me. Well, that's <laughs> good.
1: That's what we're here for. Here we have a note from Liz and Ted. It says uh, it's um, it's actually sorry, Lynn and Ted Uh, Lynn has just said, I listened to your podcast while gardening here in the middle of France. I left a garden of 60 by 13 and a half should take on half an acre field here. After nine years, we have made quite an impression, but still need some advice as well. I wonder whether they got a house as well. If they only got a field, perhaps they're camping. Anyway, you have been more help to me than any other program. How well about, done, Tom. Well was that done. When you a well, lot? It must have been. <laughs> <laughs> earlier earlier in the year. You gave advice on regenerating very sad yellow-leaved oleander plant plants. Your advice worked perfectly. Thank you. I've just put them in the polytunnel as we get very cold weather here, as we are very high. My question today is: Should I feed my hydrangeas now? in November. Also, as the buds, of buds are forming on rhododendron, should they have some liquid feed too, or should I wait until spring? So they are, and that's um, helping, that will go on to the podcast because this programme ends up on a podcast which you can get through from about mid-afternoon today. So they are so, Lynn will not
2: be listening, necessarily, but will pick up on the podcast. So, what's the advice then, well, Tom? Well, I wouldn't do any feeding now, uh, because the plant is actually slowing down. It's going into the dormant uh, period. Best time to feed would be more spring onwards. Yeah. However, <clears throat> with rhododendrons, actually, and also camellias... Uh, where they're forming their buds in the summer, it's actually quite a good time to feed then. So what so July, August? I, yeah, so I would actually do two sort of stages of feeding next year, not now. Is do an initial feed in the spring from March, April onwards, but actually going for a, uh, a sort of stronger potash-based feed as well, a little bit later on in the season. If they're yellowing on the leaves, hopefully they're not. Uh, but if they're yellowing on the old, on the younger leaves, then you'll you'll need to use things like sequestrine an iron-based uh, feed. Which I'm sure is available in <clears> front. <throat> Exactly. And the hydrangea, well, that's about to drop its leaves. So uh, plants need leaves to assist in the movement of water and nutrients through their body. So uh, where that's limiting, it's best to do that actually from about spring onwards. So go for a general purpose feed uh, around about March, April. Use uh, granular or granular is quite good. You can actually get a whole range of those. There can be a mixture of quick and slow release. So products like fish blood and bone, uh, osmocote, Uh, are really good products you can use. And again, you could also Add additional liquid feeds in the summer if you needed to. Uh, I'm going to go to Debbie in just a moment, but I thought I'd, I'd chime in with this one as well, because it says
1: while listening to your fabulous podcast while driving around at work, I heard a listener asking about Tall Cosmos. This made me think of mine that has gone right up, and it's put its flowers up above the garage roof. It measures 2.5 metres or about 8 foot 2 inches. I'm guessing that rather than give me a nice display around the bottom, these raspberry canes if decided to go up vertical. For the for the light, only put out some flowers once it got to the top. Thank you. And there are there's another reminder that you can keep in touch with us if you're listening to the podcast. All you have to do is drop us a line at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk to Debbie from Canvey Island. Hello, Debbie. Hello, good
3: morning today. Yes, it is still morning, so it I'm it is indeed, the yes. <laughs> Tell what, that's why I'm called Tippy Debs. Um, I've got a camellia that's got buds on. Uh, it's, it's actually called Deb, Debbie, the camellia. Oh, lovely. Yes. I... And, should I be feeding it?
1: Right. It's interesting because we were just talking about feeding, uh, plants that are yeah, forming for buds yeah so okay. Tom no, I, I just would, run through that again yeah I
2: wouldn't, wouldn't really overly worry about feeding them now I mean definitely feed them from uh, sort of March April onwards go for a, 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 a proprietary sort of acid feed or a liquid feed for yeah. azaleas and yeah. camellias and rhododendrons all yeah. of those um, but yeah. no it's, it's forming as buds you might be lucky actually it might actually because some camellias are actually flowering now Yeah, they're flan. I mean, some varieties do flower this side of Christmas. Quite a lot will flower afterwards. Um, So enjoy them for what they are, but don't have to worry too much about feeding.
5: Thank you, thank you,
1: thank you. I was really worried. No, never,
2: (laughs) never worry. Never worry. Call
1: BBC Essex, and we'll give you the answer. How about that?
5: You'll come to my rescue. We will. will.
1: Okay. (laughs) Thank Thank you very much. much. Thank you, Debbie. We're going to talk about a bit of hot lips now because salvia hot lips. Brian in Hornchurch would like to know more about, wouldn't you, Brian? I certainly would. Oh, hang yes. on, Brian, you've got your radio on somewhere. I can hear it.
5: Yeah, I'll turn it. I just turned it off, yeah. Thank
1: you very much. Thank right. you. What can we do for you?
5: Uh, well, we've uh, given the salvia uh, uh, hot lips um, during the summer, and they've, they're in pots, and they're really marvellous. They're, marvelous. they're and good, good plants, got- aren't they? <laughs> Sorry?
1: They're a great plant, aren't they?
5: Oh, they, they really really are. And um, we're just wondering whether, if we're going to get a really cold winter, should I put them in the greenhouse, or are they, is it safe to leave them out?
2: What do you think, Tom? Well, at Rittle University College, what we tend to do is they we plant them fairly close to the main building at the back of it, and um, they will tend to stay there, um, and usually the heat of the building will protect them, but if it really becomes quite an issue for us, then there's the potential for you to lift them up and move them in to a cool, frost-free environment. Um, but on the whole, they've actually carried on through. I'm um, certain for the last four or five years it's not been too bad, but actually four or five years ago we had a horrendous a horrendous winter didn't we we had a very long cold winter and it would have cut those plants fairly close to the ground interesting that particular variety might even still recover from that uh because certainly in the spring what i would tend to do with it is actually reduce them by about half i would tend to cut them down by half to really trigger up some new growth from the base so um I think just be vigilant the weather really if you if you're living in a very exposed area, they're not really sheltered by plants, then possibly it's worth lifting up. pop it into a bucket with holes in or a tray with holes in, and just put it in a frost free environment uh
5: they they are in pots actually,
2: oh, so you can lift the pot up, put it into a greenhouse, yeah, that'll be better for it
5: so and um, in the spring, yep cut them, cut them. Be, cut the back severely
2: or yeah very severe i mean i just grab the top of the plant six inches and actually take to... yeah take it quite hard half to even a quarter of its overall height that,
5: that 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 sounds ruthless because they're so lovely
2: i know but i'm hard i'm a hard pruner you'll be you'll benefit <laughs> yeah. from lots and lots of new growth
5: Oh, lovely. And and,
2: and the key thing also is when you do that in March, uh, April time, allow it to produce a little bit of growth and then also give it a good liquid feed once it's into new growth.
1: Oh, oh yes, that's tomato feed. Tomato yes. is brilliant. Yeah, yeah
2: that'd be great. And, and Brian, try uh, look out for some of the other salvias. There's
1: some other interesting colours. They're not quite as hardy <clears> as hot lips, but they're great. There's some
2: lovely purples. Yeah, and, the Patons types. Yeah. So you have got things like Cambridge Blue. The flowers really bigger. Nice, but it's they're not 100 percent hardy.
5: Right, we've we've heard that there is another one uh, on the market developed abroad, which is which is blue and white.
1: Oh right, yeah. yeah. There are some interesting ones coming along, so look out for them. Give them a try.
5: Thank you so much for your advice, Brian. Okay.
1: That's what we're here for at BBC Essex. It's the Gardening Hour here on BBC. Essex. Tom Cole, my guest today here in the studio, and I must say it's great to have those um, comments from from the from the podcast. And if you have got comments or questions on the podcast, we're quite happy to deal with those during the programme because it all links it up together. Because that's what um, that's what radio is about: live radio plus podcast. Oh. You get it. Right. We had uh, an email as well here from Cynthia Cook. Cynthia Cook says, I've cut down my main roses by half, but I also have what were bought as patio roses in my front garden. My problem is they have grown quite large. Can I cut them down now or do I wait until March? Now, patio roses are rather strange ones, aren't they? Because you can actually just prune them to shape, can't you? You don't have to prune them as you would in a hybrid tea
2: or a floribunda would you know just shape them really i mean would i do them now I i'd, don't only, not. I might I'd not. only do it if, if they're sort of going in the way of something else i'd maybe do a bit of reduction pruning but really february march is, is a better time to do it as you're going into the new growing season and then also give it because they're very demanding plants a good feed of something like classically top rose.
1: good old top rose. It has got a lot. Of, what people don't realise is using an ordinary fertiliser is good. There's nothing yeah. wrong with using an ordinary fertiliser. But these rose developed products have got extra trace elements which really support it's, the It's roses. more
2: of a complete feed. So it's got everything the plant really needs. Yeah.
1: Talking of hot lips, Susan in Acton has got hot lips, haven't you, Susan?
6: I have, yes, and they're still in bloom now. Um, I just didn't cut, quite catch the end of the last caller's um, mention right. about their hot lips. When is it best to cut them back?
2: Uh, not until not until the growing season. So leave leave them now, and actually come back around about sort of March time, and then be as ruthless as you want to be. I mean, I'm quite a hard pruner, so I would tend to probably just reduce the plant by half. Yes. Sometimes, if it's because it's, they can get quite big, actually, you can get to about three or four foot with these plants, and then so I, so what I would do is probably bring it down to two foot or maybe just below that.
6: Lovely, thank you. And I've got one other question.
2: Could I? Yes, of that, course you? you can.
6: We've got two canners at the moment. They're about yep. four foot tall. Should we be cutting them back down there and covering them in a fleece?
2: We're, uh, at, the, at the college, what we're doing is we've taken them in. We've, we've lifted them out of the ground. They've got a very fibrous root system. We've taken off the old flower spikes. We've cut that hard and then we've left the top growth on and we've just put them into trays or, or pots with a bit of light compost. So it's not quite totally potted up into a frost-free environment. And then we will pot them up a bit closer to the spring and ready to go out in May next year.
6: That's lovely. Thank you very much.
2: That's all right. Fran in Chelmsford.
1: Tibuchinas, Is that right, Fran? Tibuchinas. What a lovely (laughs) plant.
2: It's a great plant.
3: It's the most gorgeous purple. Is it in
2: flower? It's still in flower at the moment.
3: Oh, no. Mine is still in flower. Yeah, very good. I've moved it into the greenhouse, but this is the thing. I've been breeding and growing plants for over 60 years, but I've never had one of these. So, how do I take cuttings, when do I take cuttings, and when do I chop it down?
2: Right, uh, so at the moment it's in full bloom, and if if you've got it in the right conditions, which sounds like you have, it, it'll keep on flowering for quite a while to come. Oh, um,
3: the it didn't start till about September. Yeah, I
2: know, it's, it's just a phenomenal no, plant, it's got a lovely downy leaf, and it's, it's a very sort of, it's like a very... To describe it, it's a mauve blue. Mm. It's a difficult mix. It's a lovely dance. flower, huge quite a large flower.
3: They're at least three inches
2: across. And now, the coll- at Rittle College, we got them in. Rittle University College, got to get that right. Yeah, get it right. Uh, i like told, told myself. <laughs> um, uh, We've got a tropical house there, and uh, we allow the tropical house to get down to around about 10 degrees, which is 50 degrees Fahrenheit as a minimum over the uh, winter period. And the plant actually survives really, really well. What we'll do in the spring is we'll sort of reduce it by about half to outward facing leaves to just. Generate some new growth, and then from the new growth, we will take softwood cuttings or semi ripe stem cuttings later in the year. So right. that's basically taking the tip of new growth and having growth that's got around about four junctions on it. Yeah, and then you cut below the lowest junction and use something like a hormone powder or liquid and put right. it into a proprietary t- seeding do cutting do actually,
3: compost. And um, take the top off as well
2: you do yes you you need to sorry you need to retain the top um and do i would do that around about well if you're going to cut it in march april you'll probably get some really good material to use around about april may
3: okay that's lovely i mean i've only got the greenhouse on frost watch at the moment so i'm going to turn it
2: up a bit well that's fine that'll be fine for that plant but yeah maybe a little bit higher um and that'll keep it going all the way through the winter period Right, it's just
3: I've got oh, about 50 very tender salvias in there as well, so I think <clears> I'll
2: turn it up a bit. Okay. If, if you want a step-by-step guide, though, on propagation, if you just put in stem cutting into a search engine, stem cuttings followed by the letters RHS, it'll well, take you to a, a profile page.
3: It's just
1: this, say, I've never grown a tibagina before. It, it, it's a, it's lovely. Underrated, underrated. It's no, a
2: lovely patio plant for the summer, but God. as you quite rightly done, you've bought it inside because it's a tender perennial.
3: Okay. Right, lovely, thank you very much.
2: Continue to enjoy your Tibuchina. Okay.
3: Will. <laughs>
7: thank
1: you. Thanks very much indeed. Let's go off to Colchester now to talk to Maureen. Hello, Maureen.
7: Oh, hello, Ken. Um, I have a couple of queries which mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can uh, help me with. Um, I ordered some Daphne Rebecca um, in the autumn earlier and um, I've potted them up. But they're quite small, and I wondered whether it's okay to leave them outside.
1: Now, Rebecca, Rebecca is, one, is an evergreen, isn't it?
7: Yes, it's yes. a variegated one.
1: Yeah, it depends how small they are. <laughs> well, um, they Daphne, are... Daphne's are a... Right, d- d- let's, let's d- just say... First Daphne, we say it's a hardy Daphne, plant. Daphne's a hardy plant. Yes. Have you got it inside or outside now?
7: It's outside at the moment. I repotted right. it up because they were in seven-centimeter pots. I think when I oh
2: right. Okay. Right. You put them in what size pots? You put them into?
7: Um, I'm thinking in inches now. Probably That's all right. about, about
2: twelve-inch pot or something like yes. that. Yes, That's fine. Twelve
7: inches at the most. Yeah.
2: Uh, okay. The th- the thing is, they've been outside. They've been exposed to some interesting weather this week. I would say they mm-hmm. they you've hardened them off. Really, um yeah. They're fine. So I keep them probably by the back of the house somewhere. So at Gets least they're getting warm some warmth. Thing. But yeah. in, at the end of the day, they're going to be ones which you might tra- you might eventually transfer elsewhere into the garden. So. Oh, I would
7: do,
8: yeah. yeah.
2: So they're absolutely fine there. I think just just monitor them as you go through the winter period because we don't know oh, what right. the winter's going to be like.
7: Do they like plenty of water because we've had a lot
2: of rain lately? Uh, no, we? I personally, personally, rain I wouldn't dry. do any watering at all.
7: No, I, um, meant, I don't meant watering them. I meant uh, if it rains a lot, whether they'll
2: be happy. <laughs> oh, they'll be fine as long as fine. you've got drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. Oh, You'll yes, be fine. Right. I mean, what you could do is if you're going to leave them in there for the whole of the winter, which sounds like you might be doing, yes. lift the pot up a little bit so it allows that water, that all that water to escape. To escape. So yes. You don't want it. F- you don't want it collecting no, there because that's going to be worse than actually yes. the weather around it.
7: Yeah, that's what I thought.
2: And you had another Um, question, I think, didn't you?
7: um, Is it... Well, I was hoping to um, pot up some um, bulbs um, as Christmas presents in in pots uh, for some of my family. Mm -hmm. And um, I wondered if it was too late to pot up, say, with the... um, What's it called? The grape um, hyacinth. Grape
1: hyacinth. The the answer is it's never too late. As long as the bulb is firm... Yes. It is never too late to pot a bulb up. I mean, quite honestly, I have planted bulbs. I've done them in January. Yeah, January, February, and they still flower. I sort of forgotten a the bag, and the, there they are. Yeah, the problem with, Maureen, you've got is that you'll be giving them a pot, but there won't be much showing. That's the no. problem. Oh, so does, I, know. I But, know. I
7: don't but as long as they know that, that's as fine, As long as they know, it? that's
1: fine. <clears> no, it is not too late. That's a nice present. Lovely present. I yeah. think bulbs um, are gorgeous.
7: I can't remember wh- what time of the year the um, grape... Hi, um, sli- comes up, does it? Will it come up before the death or after?
2: Well, they can come up during.
7: Okay. can. Uh,
2: so it just depends on the weather conditions, really. If you put the right. two together, they would make a nice show. Well, it's one. nice contrasting yeah. colours. Like so
7: mm. yes. Um, so should I be able to
2: get the daff bulbs now this time of year? You a... tail end of the you should do. I mean, a good garden centre will have a, a still few. have a supply of a few bulbs. But and in fact, right. you might get them cheap because uh, do, I yes. noticed in a, cer-
1: them,
2: yeah. in a certain in
1: a certain garden centre, which will be a chain of garden centres, they were. I noticed <laughs> oh, right.
2: they were offering them on discount. So get out oh, there, there and there you have go. a look. Uh, okay, and the
7: best um, compost for
2: them? Uh, to be quite honest, so if you're putting them in pots, it really isn't that crucial a multi-purpose compost will be fine yeah okay yeah, absolutely fine lovely. but don't thank tell them we said so because no. they'll try and sell you <laughs> bulb fiber <then. laughs>
1: <laughs> all right okay thank you very much for our help this is from linda from wakes con i have a c- cedrus deodora let's go for that Gosh, we, a big which i have grown for about 25 years, 40 foot tall it has lost all of its needles very suddenly what has happened now, if it's lost all its needles a cedrus deodara is on its way out, isn't it well, it would it won't it's got to keep some isn't it if not it can't survive so can it so what's
2: caused that well mm. it could be could have been a fungal issue yeah um but if it's very sudden that's i oh. never i've never seen that before or heard of that before they usually slowly die yeah. don't they it's fungal disease it could be physiological which means uh, it could be a weather related thing But i, I Doubt it, really. So potentially a disease or, in the worst case scenario, maybe something attacking the roots. But you've got a plant there that's very mature. It's a large plant. It's odd. That's interesting. Very odd indeed. Mm. We Uh, have two of these on the front of the college campus. Lovely plants. They're gorgeous. Pyramidal in shape. So... And one that you ne- should never cut the never top cut it, out, no,
1: because the tops you ruin the shape completely. I'm very sad to hear that, Linda, but I think your tree is positively dead if it's lost all its needles, and will need removing at some stage. And don't forget, if you are removing trees, don't just cut them down to the ground. Take the root out as well. Because if not, all you do is encourage more fungus to be spread. The number to call is 0300 200 41. That's 0300 200 40 41. Uh, we'll uh, nip over to uh, Vincent Flynn, Esquire. My garden has a home oak sapling... And he's put Spanish oak now. Home oak. Uh, he's put Spanish oak. What should I do now? Home oaks. There's several. There's cork oak, isn't there? Then you've got the cork oak. Is not the same as the um, the home oak, is it?
2: Now the cork oak. You've got a very distinctive it's another bark quircus, pattern, so, isn't it? It's a quercus, yeah. yeah. Home oak has got a, a, a smoother bark and a it's black, got a it's a very black bark, isn't it? It has, but it's also got a quite a nice uh, simple. Very green top surface leaf and a slightly bluer underside. Uh, what should I do? Well, he hasn't got to worry about it. I think,
1: is he worried that it's a Spanish oak? I think that is the. Do you think that's what his worry is? He hasn't got to worry about it. It is. Be well, war- the, he can be warned. It's a
2: very large tree. That's what I was going to say. It was a large tree. So, what you could do is if you're worried about that and you wanted to move it, you could even containerize it, then you are you could, coming could. in to the right time of the year to lift up. And with a plant like that and like other evergreens uh, is to lift up the root system as much as you possibly can. So dig a trench around the tree, come out about a foot or so, and then undercut it with your spade and lift up that ball of roots with the soil and put it into a container and you could containerize it and therefore you will restrict its overall height uh, and spread. Or uh, move it somewhere where you've got space.
1: And it is a lovely tree to mm. grow. Drops its leaves in, well, most of the year. Yeah, it's always Dro- dropping leaves. It drops leaves continuously, but don't worry about that. It's a great plant to grow in your garden, but you have got to give it a fair bit of room, and that's the important thing. So best of luck there, Vincent. Hello, John. Okay, uh, good morning to right, you. Well, I've got she- miniature fruit
8: trees, plum and cherry.
1: Lovely, yep.
8: I've had them now for about three years. Mhm. Uh none no, never never It never come up with any flower or anything.
1: Really? Now tell mm-hmm. us what, what you've got. Which ones? Have you got I several
8: apples? A- no.
1: no, I mean have you got several apples or have you got one apple, one pear, one plum? No, I've got one plum uh, I've got
2: three plums and three cherries.
1: Oh, three plums, three cherries. No, and they're they-
2: all are there all different types of plums and cherries? I think Okay. They should and, they, and do they all roughly flower at the same time? You're saying they haven't flowered. Oh, they haven't, they, they haven't flowered. Okay, well, they, they're, and they're how old? About three years. I want to no. and, and you haven't pruned them at all? No. No. Well, they're only just building up enough wood to start producing lots of flower. Depends. I'm not going to ask you where you got them. Um, were they very, very
1: small, just sticks when you first bought them, John, or were no, they and did they have branches already formed yeah they should be in they should flower I shouldn't if they you
2: got, if you've got lateral growth on if you've got side growth on the branch i would have expected some flowers there's something okay well
1: Big, <coughs> what size pots you've got them in john uh, around about 14
4: inches mm,
2: bit small yeah i uh i, you I, you I need wonder to... whether suffering with yeah. a bit of drought could be i mean two foot by two foot at least as a pot with something like a john number three compost so a soil-based compost uh would be that good for help. them now even though they're in a small pot i would still expect them to flower so would i so yep. i think what you need to do is well we're coming out of the growing season we're going into the dormant time they they should be budding up now ready for spring flowering is to be vigilant in march april time and then note whether they, if they're going to flower great uh, they should be flowering then and if they are going to flower then, uh, then I'd think about maybe long-term, getting them into a larger pot and also doing some regular feeding with them. But And would you feed with the tomato food from February onwards anyway? If it they're in help, full leaf, it? you could. If they're not, then use March something like August. a granular. So, yeah, March, April, if they're in leaf, start feeding with a liquid fertiliser. Light, light tomato food would be fine. Yeah. Does that help you?
8: Well, I hope so
1: the thing is you haven't got you haven't got to
2: do anything at the moment no it's very disappointing Uh, though isn't it john so what 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 you'll see february time is the buds that are going to flower will get slightly fatter so you get fat buds and you get these really thin tightly held buds and the thin tightly held ones are going to give you all the leaf and the fatter buds are going to give you the flowers and both plums and cherries flower on older growth Uh, so you won't expect to see those on the young growth it's actually within the plant that's where the flowers will emerge so don't do any pruning. In fact, this is the wrong time of year anyway to so do any pruning on those you fruits. You don't prune you don't, in the winter. You don't prune anyway, those, until around about June, July. Right,
1: that's lovely.
2: Yeah. Now, John,
1: if you come back to us in the spring, please come back to us in the spring. There's no way you nice get to get new flower. And then if they do flower and fruit, then come back to us after they've fruited as well. And then we can tell you how to prune them to encourage you to get a few more spurs, which will give you more growth and more chance of getting fruit. Okay,
4: you can guarantee I'll
1: be back to you. (laughs) No problem at all, John. Good to hear from you. Hi, Cheers, (laughs) Gordon in Halstead. You've got an ornamental cherry, haven't you, Jordan?
8: Yes, quite tall. It's about 25 foot tall. Okay. Um, I've got rather. It's not a big garden, but the roots are so thick coming out of the bottom. They're going right across the lawn. I'm ruining that. I was wondering if I can cut the roots back
2: that's the problem with cherry trees I'm afraid um, That what happens is the roots are fairly uh, oh, surface, surface related until you try
1: and dig them out yeah. and then you realise <laughs> that they've got some deep uh, and
2: unfortunately well. <laughs> if you have a lawn what the lawn tends to do is sink around where those roots are so it makes it Correct. difficult to mow yeah. and then the roots oh, become yeah. very obvious there Imagine. isn't a great deal you can do with that really, cutting back the roots will undermine the tree will it? Um, so you don't really want to do that the other option is to build up you could build up some layers of soil, soil uh, yeah. to lift up but you will always be doing that yes it's just the nature of that particular plant really okay okay all right sorry, <laughs> sorry about with, that
1: sorry with no help Gordon. On that one <laughs> And I'd just like to go back to some of the texts. We got one from Liz in Colchester. She says, "Hydrangea owls is now dying back. Tatty leaves and flowers. How do we tidy it up or cut it back or what? Well, well it's deciduous, so it's dropping its leaves. Yeah. So you don't have to worry. Clear up the leaf
2: in case there's any disease." Yeah. No cutting back, is it? I wouldn't do any cutting back because actually it's quite do nice. Do cut sort of the f- heads off now? No, 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 no. I don't cut the heads people back say until... Because a load
1: of old rubbish,
2: you see. Well, I-,
1: I-, I didn't say that. Other <laughs> people do.
2: <laughs> there are places I know where they do cut them back and yeah. there's no effect on the plant at all. That's right. Um, but um, I quite like the frost on the on the old flowering blooms of the hydrangeas. So yeah. actually, I don't tend to cut back those back until around about March, April. Sometimes, if you cut a bit earlier, you can trigger growth and you can get dye back from the frost. So, I tend to do it sort of spring, cutting back the old flower. But I'm I'm assuming we're talking about mop headed or lace cap type hydrangeas, the large leaved, large flower. Take back the flower, cut it back to the healthiest pair of buds, usually just below it. That's spring. So, nothing now. Nothing to do to
1: Just enjoy those lovely heads on them, and that'll be fine. They are now. Let's uh, go talking orchids with melissa in harlow and melissa you have is, do you know which orchid it is is it the one that looks a bit like a pansy melissa
6: um hi i'm probably your youngest caller and i'm not very green-fingered so i'm going to apologize in advance if anybody starts shouting at the radio what, and getting angry. why do you think you're yo-
1: <laughs> now hang on am i allowed i mean i'm not allowed to ask a lady's age am i
6: you know, I'm 29 years old.
1: <laughs> Are you really? Well, then, no, we 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 get young. We get people, all sorts of people, talk to us, yes. and we love to talk to anybody, any yes, age. Yes. Doesn't matter whether you're six years old and just growing your first yes. bean in a in a jar or anything. So come <laughs> okay. on, tell us more about right. your orchid, then, Melissa.
6: Right. Okay. So my uncle a couple of weeks ago bought me a lovely orchid, and I've never seen an orchid like it. It is it stunning. I think he got it um oh, I know I can't mention the supermarket. He got it from a um a, a Well known
1: supermarket, yes.
6: <laughs> yeah, um it's um it's it's just got small white flowers going up it. It's it was it's stunning, well it was until everything started dropping off of it. <laughs> so, um it's 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 not your traditional white and purple um spread out it's on like a it's on so, like it's, a stalk with so it's not on an, an, an it's not on it. an
2: arching stem with little pansy like flowers coming off it
6: no no no,
5: straight no. Up.
2: i know what so it's not a phalaenopsis that's good as it right. are the leaves okay. long and strap like y- yes and it's got a central spike with lots of flowers coming off it
6: yeah both it's got it's got flowers coming off of both sides
0: right and they're like
6: small white <coughs> Um, fluffy looking quite delicate um looking looking white flowers no color on it whatsoever and it and it's coming straight up
2: and you, do you get many flowers on that spike um
6: yeah there was there was
2: yes <laughs> well it sounds like I mean there's a couple of, there's quite a few ones, there's one called a uh, symbidium and it's a, a very traditional orchid it's very very spectacular when you see it in flower there's lots of different forms it could be that one but it's, right. it sounds like yours is, is finishing flowering. So what right. you can do is you where the flowers were, there'll be a flower stalk left. And what you can do is you can cut that flower stalk right down.
6: Right, and, at
2: the, okay. and and actually, on the base of the plant, do, at, at the, as the base of the plant where the leaves are coming from, is it slightly bulbous? It's, it's slightly sort of succulent feeling?
6: Um, right, I'm going to describe the whole thing to you now. Go on, then. So, that, so, so, obviously, some of the white flowers have come off. Some of them, where I can see they're dropping off, I've been picking them off. Whether I should be doing that or not, you're going to tell me. No, that's fine. Um, right, okay. Um, now, um, it's obviously in um, its own... Like dirt or whatever you want to call it. I'm um, like I say, I'm not. I'm not green fingered. No, adult. you're describing got, really it's well. Got, it's got it's got roots. It, I can see roots coming out. I've got the main the main the main stalk with all the leaves and the flowers on it, and um, I had another stalk that was already present, which has got longer. I've now got one two three more shorter stalks coming out of the base
2: okay right so i've
6: got so, so yeah so you've got the main host if you like and then yep. i've got four other stemming from that host and right, i it, can see lots of roots so i don't know whether i need to start repotting maybe right in orchids the, to, like,
2: what you've got know. there doesn't sound like the one i was mentioning but it is this an orchid nonetheless it's finishing flowering cut back the flower spike to the base of the plant don't cut back any of the roots it's doing that because it takes its moisture in from those roots Um, don't pot it on they like to be in a nice tight pot so it can stay in that pot for a long time the key thing is to water it from now now and again put some lukewarm water in a sink put the whole plant into the sink let it leave it there for half an hour, bring it onto the drainage board, let it drain, put it back into the saucer or wherever you've got it from. And just keep looking after it that way. Put it on a nice window sill where there's good light levels but not too much light. So don't if it's really sunny very early in the morning, put it on another window. And enjoy it
6: brilliant and okay. um, do i need to do i need to put half so not don't put like half a cup of lukewarm, lukewarm water in Literally no do just it don't it. No, do it, soak it. just do it like just, Tom just said. soak
2: it in the sink so fill up the sink in the kitchen uh lukewarm water leave it there for half an hour or so take the plug out let it drain and then put it back on the soda because i don't like to be sitting in water for too long and that's all you would need to do. And I I would actually go along to your good garden centre and get some orchid Orchid feed. Feed. It's a little little, um, tube, you cut the end off, you invert it and stick it into the top of the container, and you'll have more flowers before you know it.
1: Uh, Let's go to Colin in Sudbury. Hello, Colin.
2: And how can we help uh, you? Greenhouse
1: soil. I've been growing
8: tomatoes in the greenhouse for the last eight years or so. Should I do something to change it or renovate it?
1: That's quite an interesting. It's quite a long time to have gr- continuously grown things in, isn't it, Tom? It
2: is really, you've, and um, you've had no problem on the plants. They've been growing quite happily.
8: Well, they seem to be okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, after all this time, I should think about, well, ex- exchanging some.
2: <clears throat> I think I think might it might be worth actually putting in some good, uh, so sort of well-rotted organic matter to boost up the levels within the soil. Uh, so the nutrient levels and also improves the structure of the soil as well Uh, so i take it when you've got your plants in there are you sort of liquid feeding and watering on a regular basis yeah yeah
8: yeah it's all yeah a normal sort of uh, husbandry for tomato plants yes i say the soil's been in there for some time yeah um, if you
2: get no problem if if there's no problems and then i would just invigorate the soil with using good organic matter you could do that now at this time of the year turn it over get it ready for next year how about that colin
8: and the second one clivia can you tell me how to get it to flower
2: Right.
1: I'm a bit of a Clivia lover. I I, I tell you what, I first came across those when I was an apprentice working in the Royal Festival Hall in London looking after houseplants and uh, I've loved it ever since. I don't know why, it's fascinated me. Um, Tell us, how old is the plant? Is it new to you or is it one that you've already had?
8: I've had it for, again, eight, nine years. Um,
1: Has it flowered in the past? It has about three years ago. And have you uh, moved it, then, since three years ago?
8: Oh, yeah, I've, I've moved houses, but... Uh, ah, now,
1: when right did you move house? One
8: two, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five clumps of leaves. Yep. Um, and it's sitting in, a, in the lounge, which is reasonably warm. Yep. At uh, 21.
1: Right, hang on. Um, the most important thing is... Now, the most important thing is, has it not flowered since you've moved?
8: It hasn't it hasn't flowered in the last three years, and I've been here longer than
1: three years. So it flower, It's flowered since you got there. Now, did you move the plant after you've after it flowered to a different position? No,
8: no, no. Right. It's in okay.
1: The so it's, it's so important. That a, a clivia likes where it is. You leave it there. You don't put it anywhere else because that's where it loves to be. Are you watering it a lot?
8: Well, I've gone through a phase of. Overwatering, overfeeding, over not feeding, over-watering, put it into a cold place, move it back out of a cold place. So, you know, no. I find all various...
1: No, right, leave it where it is, leave it where yeah. it is, reduce its watering dramatically, and only water when the plant is nearly to the point where you think it's wilting. Right, that's where it is now. That's that's what you want to do. Then soak it, then leave it until it's bone dry again. Uh, the only other thing I've ever done to a clivia is feed it, and I, I used to feed them in the spring, although when it, as it's a house plant, uh, you can feed them any time of the year because, in fact, clivias, they normally flower in autumn. But they in do, fact, yeah. In fact, they sometimes flower in spring as well. But if you yeah. f- if you feed it through the summer period, you should be able to get it back into flower. Don't repot it. You haven't repotted it, have you? No, I
8: I've only once since I've had it.
1: That's all right, that's fine. Wait till it pushes the sides out the pot before you ever repot it. Try what I've said, really reduce the watering dramatically, and I think you'll get it back into flour.
8: So, back, irregular watering, but watering with feed?
1: No, feed in the spring only. Only spring, OK. Spring onwards, all right? all right? That's fine, thanks very much. And Colin, let us know how you get on, because we like to hear from you. <clears throat> right, um, good morning. If there's going to be greater control on nicotoids... Yes. Uh, harmful to bees, it says, announced this week. Uh, does that include things like Roundup Gel? Well, they're two different things. We're talking one's a weed killer and one is an insecticide. Yeah, glyphosate is, um, They're still looking <clears throat> at that, aren't they? They're still looking at it. It's got a licence running on for us. Um, Goodness knows what the farmers of Great Britain will do um, in the future if we lose glyphosate. I haven't a clue. What and, the and the landscapers. Mm. And the landscapers and gardeners generally. We will be in a bit of a hole. But anyway, we'll worry about that if it ever happens. Um, harmful to bees? There are a lot of debates about that. You can talk to beekeepers who say that they have no effect on bees at all, and you can talk to other groups who say they have. So that's again an interesting question that um, I can't answer, and I wouldn't put myself on either side, would you, Tom? No, no. But that was Linda in, in Dovercourt was asking about those. Um, but we'll keep you posted with what happens on those sort of things. Maureen in Belricky would like to know uh, what is that Catwatch product called, please? Well, it's exactly. what you have said it's called Catwatch. so uh if if you're listening now write it down because you didn't uh ken it's the best time to prune a hibiscus thanks well i take it it's an outdoor hibiscus and that's from julie so what would you recommend they don't like being pruned do they tom
2: well no uh in fact we've got two two in a rose garden area at the Bristol university college and what we tend to do there is after flowering we do a little bit of light pruning, and that's all I do. Uh, in fact, I just concentrate on dead, disease, and damaged, any crossing branches, any sucker from the base, and just a light reduction, but not hard pruning.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex.
1: Next week, my guest will be Dave Gillam, an expert in dahlias and daffodils, and in fact a winner of prestigious awards across the country. So make sure you tune in to BBC Essex on Saturday morning from 11. And if you've got a gardening question, be sure to give us a call on 0300 200 40 41.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash The BBC Essex
0: Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.